0: Welcome to Where Healing Happens, the podcast. I'm your host, Amy. I invite you to share my personal journey through trauma, grief, and finding my way to healing. Where Healing Happens allows me to uplift myself and others along the way by sharing their voices and stories. Basically, if it's something you have to heal from, we're going to talk about it. From things like birth, death, childhood trauma, mental health, generational trauma, domestic violence, and so much more. This podcast is honest, raw, real, and best of all, unfiltered. So let's dive in and start healing. Oh great spirit who dwells in the sky, lead us to the path of peace and understanding. Let all of us live together as brothers and sisters. Our lives are so short here, Walking upon Mother Earth's surface, let our eyes be opened to all the blessing you have given us. Please hear our prayers, O Great Spirit. That is a Native American prayer for peace. 215 104 35 38 180 Seven hundred and 1,323. That is the number of unmarked graves of Indigenous children's bodies that are being rediscovered in Canada right now. There have been reports of mass graves But this latest finding of 751 children's bodies, that is not a mass grave. They are unmarked graves, which means someone knew where those bodies were buried. Someone keeping track of where these graves were. Someone was and is hiding information. If you have not seen the video with all of the orange flags at Kawas's showing where these graves are located, do so. Do it. Because just looking at that video you will see you'll be able to tell that those graves were dug with purpose. My heart is heavy. My spirit is broken. The sheer amount of emotions that I feel on a daily basis is overwhelming. My personal grief, the way that I work through my grief, is through sitting with myself. I need to be mindful. I need intention. I need to work through the feelings that I'm feeling. And with that, sometimes... seems like I am late to the game, I will share little bits here and there, but to really speak out, to really share my voice, I need time, I need time to process, or else I fall apart. If you've been listening to the podcast at all, you will know that I started therapy before the podcast aired. It was something that I needed to do for myself. It was something that I knew sharing my story and sharing other people's stories it was going to be something that I needed for my own well-being and mental health. And quite honestly, I did not expect to love therapy. I didn't expect to love the therapist that I'm working with. I didn't think I would be able to find that connection with somebody who understood and had kindness and compassion and really cared about how I felt and what I was going through. Over the last week, week and a half, I have felt very disassociated from my body, from myself. I've just felt overwhelmed with emotions. And I tend to hyper-focus on things. So I will come up with something, anything that needs my attention, and put all of my energy there, I am a very strong believer in where intention goes, energy flows, and that it isn't always a good thing. So, in the last week and a half, I've really stepped back, I've really taken a break from Life from doing too much for myself. I have chosen to sleep in. I have chosen to do not much of anything. I've chosen naps. I've chosen movie nights. And one that I'm not proud or happy about, that I've chosen crappy food a lot instead of my, you know, instead of healthy home-cooked meals, which at the end of the day does not make me feel well, but there are some times in life where you just can't do things. I have had a lot of aha moments. I've had a lot of realizations, a lot of meeting at intersections, intersectionality in my life a lot of a lot of thought and grief. I recently found out that my biological father, who is not my dad, but is my biological father. We recently found out that the man he believed to be his biological father his entire life is not. And we found out the name of his real biological father, as well as some siblings that he now has some new half-siblings, and I wasn't sure how much I would share, but I will share, and maybe I'll let some stuff out, maybe I won't, I'm not really, not really sure where I'm going with this podcast today, I know I just need to talk and share my feelings, and that's what the journal entry podcast episodes are all about. They're my journal. So two weeks ago, I did a Zoom call with my aunt. And there were people that wanted to speak with her about family history. Now, I wasn't aware of who these people were. Uh, She didn't really know either until the morning of, it turned out that these people on the call were, are my biological father's half-siblings. There were two sisters and a brother and what would be one of his nieces or my cousin. So, when I was told that my dad was not my biological father, it was quite a traumatic event, and there were pieces of it that I didn't remember, because that's what trauma does to you, so I was talking with my sister this week about it, and she told me what she remembered and i told her what i remembered so the summer of grade eight going into grade nine my parents had been separated and were in the middle of a divorce and if you've listened to the podcast before you'll know but if you haven't i will share um my mom was an alcoholic. So this particular day, she drove to my dad's home, drunk, and proceeded to do wheelies on his front yard. And his new girlfriend and him and myself came outside. (coughs) I was the oldest of all the children there, so the Smaller children were inside the house in front of the big picture window, my sister included, seeing this happen, watching the wheelies, seeing my mom get out of the car. And I myself didn't remember that part of the ordeal. What I remembered was my mom and my dad's girlfriend getting into a physical altercation And I remember screaming, and I remember my dad pulling them apart, and a a lot of yelling. And the only thing that I remember that was said was my mom yelling at me to get in the fucking car because I wasn't staying there with my dad because he wasn't even my real dad. I wasn't sat down. It wasn't explained to me. It was traumatic and cruel. Yeah, it was traumatic and it was cruel. And I already knew, and deep down, I knew that my dad wasn't my dad. That same year, I had found my birth certificate. And on there, there was a name that I didn't know. So I knew that I wasn't who. I was told I was. But I was also scared to ask about who I was. What if... What if my mom... I don't know. Wasn't my mom. I don't... I don't I don't know if that's what I was scared of. I'm not really sure. But it made sense. I'd always been told that I was native, that I was indigenous. But I was never told where I got that from. Yet I knew (laughs) that it wasn't my mom. My mom was not indigenous at all, and my dad that raised me was straight up Dutch and English. Didn't make sense. I never looked like my dad. I don't see myself looking like my mom. The day, the day that I found my biological father, I was 18 or 19 and I did a Facebook search and just typed his name in and right there on the screen. Like looking in a mirror, I saw my smile, I saw my nose, I saw my cheekbones. story, my life is heavy. And I acknowledge that. There are parts of my story that don't make sense to me. There are parts of my story that I've been lied to. these blank spaces in my story that will remain blank for the entirety of my life. There's no one that I can ask about it. And even if I do ask, I run the possibility of being lied to again. secrets in the past that were kept from me have hurt me more than I have cared to acknowledge in the past. Being lied to about who I am, where I come from, who my family is, my ancestors. Not being allowed to know the culture, or the traditions, it hurts a lot, and I know that I am not the only person that has gone through this. There are countless people, countless people that have had this taken away from them in one way or another the land that we live on is stolen land it was stolen from my ancestors i am indigenous and i'm reclaiming that my auntie told me in a recent conversation that she knew me as a baby I didn't know that. I didn't know that my biological father's side, that anyone on his side of the family had ever met me. My mom left Alberta with me when I was three months old, and we moved back to Ontario, and I have never been back. My auntie told me that before my mom left to move back to Ontario with me that my biological father her brother brought me over to her home one last time to say goodbye and she told me that she gave me a pair of baby moccasins and that she whispered in my ear one day you'll want to know where you come from and you'll find me And I did. I did find her. And without knowing that this had happened, she is the one person that I have reached out to, that I have asked questions to. She is the only person that I've ever felt comfortable asking. Really, her and her daughters, those are... They're my family, and those are my ties to... My indigenous ancestry. I don't have a relationship with my biological father. We are in communication when it suits one of us, but it's not a relationship. But with my auntie, there's love there. There is love there. And she has asked me to call her auntie. And I do, I do call her auntie. And it It's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. I, if you've ever seen me, I have the whitest skin. I am so light-skinned. And I hold a lot of shame and grief with my whiteness. I know that I have a lot of white privilege and I acknowledge that. I take, I don't take that for granted. I am, and I have been blessed to have had the opportunities afforded to me in my life, and a lot of that has to do with the color of my skin, and I acknowledge that, and I wish that it wasn't true. I wish that skin of color didn't matter, but I am very much aware that it does make a difference. But I am taking back my culture. I have always been more spiritual than religious And the older I get, the more I find that I truly have an issue or issues with religions. I don't know if it's just the institutions or the people within them. You know, I have been around all of it. I, you know... Catholic Church. I'm baptized Anglican. My dad's mom is Catholic, so we went to a Catholic church. When I was younger, I would go to the United Church with my friend. I've seen and been a part of it all, and I am. I would never tell anybody that who or what they believe in is wrong. I think. The idea of believing in someone or something is so beautiful to each their own. I don't appreciate when people shove things like that down other people's throats. I would never do that. The churches, the government, the RCMP, they need to be held accountable for what's happened. Need to be held accountable. What they did were crimes against humanity. People need to acknowledge their part in in all of this. There's a lot. There is there's a lot of emotions, and I absolutely am indigenous, but I was raised in a white family. I was raised around a lot of racist people, and I never understood it. I was friends with anybody, no matter their skin color, no matter who or what they believed in. There are so many complexities in life and It doesn't matter if you believe in the same religion as someone, or if you have the same skin tone as someone, you're still not going to believe in or agree on everything. You just won't. So in the past, I have struggled with claiming being indigenous telling people that I'm indigenous, you know, people would look at me and all they would see is white, at least that's what I believed, and then this funny thing happened, and I reached out to people in the indigenous community, and you know what, do you know what they've said over and over to me and countless others? your skin color doesn't matter. We're cousins. I'm your auntie now. We're family. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is it to just be accepted and loved for who you are? There are so many incredible people changing the way that indigenous people are being seen. People are understanding the culture and the traditions. People are sharing those things with the world. And it is so beautiful and so healing to see that. There's so much healing going on right now. There is also so much pain. So much grief. Anger. And all of those emotions. They're all valid. So in reclaiming my indigenous myself. Acknowledging the mourning that the Indigenous community is going through right now. I will not be celebrating Canada Day. My family will not be celebrating Canada Day. Instead, we will actively be mourning. We will be mourning the loss of all indigenous people. The children's lives that were lost at residential schools, those who succumbed to alcoholism, suicide, the generational trauma felt for generations. I will be teaching my children these things These are what we are mourning for. That this is why we are not celebrating Canada Day this year. We are honoring feelings and that they are valid. For the coming years, I will not celebrate Canada Day until the following are acknowledged The residential school system, the boil water advisories, the starlight tours, the sixties scoop, child welfare, cultural genocide, police brutality, and missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and two spirit people. There is so much work still to do. This year, instead of hanging a Canadian flag, I challenge you to place an orange hand on your window or your door somewhere where it's visible. These hands represent guiding the spirits of the children home. If you can make a donation, please do so to the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. If you are in crisis, if you need to speak to someone, if you are looking for support, the Indian Residential School Survivor Society has a 24-7 crisis support line. You can reach them at one 800 721 0 6-6. Six, six. And please remember to wear orange this Canada Day. <music>